Welcome to the Piper Carter podcast. You are listening to Piper Carter, and I'm here in the studio with Ryan Mack. Um, and hold on for one second, Ryan. I am just gonna um, double check something uh, before we get started, and just make sure that everything is copacetic. Um, yeah, it looks like it. So. Let's see. How about that? Um, Okay. How about now? Can you guys hear now? Uh, how does it sound now? Let me just wait for them to let me know. Uh, let's see. Okay. How does it sound now? Perfect. Okay. Perfect. perfect. I'll start over. <laughs> so yeah. Welcome everyone. Um, I was just saying that our guest today is a really incredible person. Um, he's been on the show before as a guest. We had a really powerful conversation. He is from Detroit, yet he is very well-traveled and works um, everywhere and has worked in New York City and many places. He is a financial expert and he is a financial literacy expert. And he has um, extensive experience in the uh, space of finance, but also in the space of social justice. And so I would like to welcome Mr. Ryan Mack. What's up, my sister? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you so much for the work that you do in general. You know, you're such a powerful 
uh, incredible force. So I'm just going to let you um, intro yourself. Just tell us a little bit about yourself first. Well, and obviously it goes the same to you. You're always out there in the streets fighting for the people, uh, whether it's in D.C. or, as you said, all over the world, people know where Papa Carter comes and she's recognized for the work that she's doing. So I appreciate the work that you're doing out there in the streets, man. It's uh, it's, it's always been noticed. I probably don't say it enough, but I appreciate you. Um, but no, I, I teach financial literacy. This is what I do. I was a financial advisor. Uh, I spent uh, almost five or six years at the largest NASDAQ trading firm. And one of the things I recognized as a, a stock trader was that uh, my aunt called me one day and said, Ryan, what is a stock? So I hadn't, that, that question resonated with me because it, it realized that I'm here, I am, you know, trained biotechnology stocks on Wall Street. And my own family didn't know what I was doing, the, the context of what I was doing. And I said, how many other folks don't have that knowledge? So I started to teach and uh, I had a step team at the time that I would teach on Fridays for kids in elementary school. And so I started to go and, and they, they would always ask me about stocks. So I recognize that in underserved communities as a whole, there's not really a lot of knowledge about economics. And uh, long story short, I started to teach it and uh, I left Wall Street to, to start a position at a firm. I won't say the name of it, but uh, on the day I was supposed to sign up for that firm, they told me I was so excited. I said, I'm going to take your firm to the church. I'm going to take you to the, my, the public housing. I'm going to take you all over my community. And they said to me, unless you only work with high net worth individuals and everybody else is a waste of time. Um, Wait, let me just ask you a question. You said for financial literacy yeah for financial planning uh, oh planning planning okay. planning so mm -hmm. i was I, I, my my core my base is a financial planner and so they um they just uh, it, it it struck me because at that point i said wow here i am leaving wall street to help people and now they're telling me that i can't help the, my people <laughs> right so um i decided to decline that offer and uh, I, I started my own business. And that was that was when uh, 2004, I started Optimum Capital Management and I just started to teach. And then that morphed into Optimum Institute of Economic Empowerment. Uh, and then that morphed into what we're doing today in Main Street. And we take uh, uh, financial education, uh, whether it be on CNN or Rikers Island, whether it be on San Quentin or uh, for a nonprofit, we teach. This is what we do. Um, and I think this information needs to go out there more readily because this information is for everybody. It's not just for rich people. Um, you know, we see everybody's talking about Elon Musk and buying Twitter. You know, uh, if you have economic base, if you have an economic base, then you can create your own economic decisions. And now we don't have 44 billion just laying around in underserved communities, but collectively we can combine our resources effectively and use them for the greater good of our communities as a whole. And that's kind of what we teach is making sure that folks have access. A lot of the access to the education has not been as prevalent. It's a $320 billion elephant in the room that we don't really talk about as payday loans, cash advances, title loans, refund anticipation loans, uh, check cashing places, prepaid debit cards. That's not including the $70 billion elephant in the room. That's the lotto. Uh, where people are so excited to try to get access to to lose money and give money to their state, 
and donate to state that and with eventually those revenues go towards communities that don't look like you and me. So um, I think I think we have to learn about economics collectively and, and how do we close down those industries, those financial predators by education. But we have to do it aggressively and it has to be scalable. And that's what Main Street is all about. Okay, there's so much in what you just said, and I have like a thousand <laughs> questions. So right. let me just start with, um, well, let's just do this. Break down um, the services that you offer right. currently. Well, the services for the people, uh, my, 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 butter's, uh, bread, my bread is buttered by unions mainly and, and corporations, uh, or organizations like uh, Airbnb who we're talking to. And hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll give you some news on that. Uh, organize a lot of fintech companies, AARP, um, uh, uh, we've got, or 1199 SEIU, my largest client, various clients like SEIU United Healthcare there in Michigan, uh, UAW. These are organizations that we work with um, to teach financial education to all of their employees or their members. And uh, they pay us, a, 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 well, and, and the ultimate goal is to do more than just because, again, the, the old model is you're going to do a workshop on a Saturday and then you'll wait a year to do another workshop on a Saturday. You'll just pray and hope that people will learn what you just taught them. But what we've done is using a blended learning ecosystem is creating using technology that we've effectively been able to integrate into the daily lives of groups as large as a half a million people or a million people or more through the various organizations that we serve where we provide workshops and we through engagement their employees are emailing us constantly telling us what type of content that we then create right here in this studio where i'm at now putting together videos that goes up on their social media platforms answering their questions for their employees or their members and engaging them ongoing so they're really directing where the content needs to go based upon what the populace need wants to learn about and what we feel is important that they need to, to learn about and take back to their families and their households. So they uh, uh, butter our bread and that's what pays my salaries. Um, and it's been really successful, especially with, I mean, the blessing and the curse. God, uh, I lost eight friends from COVID and uh, it was sad. But through COVID, everyone wanted to go to virtual and our company is, is mostly virtual. Um, and so that actually uh, was one of the, the I guess, the the, the small blessings in in the extremely uh disastrous time that well, i personally went through um that folks just needed more virtual services and financial education was one of them so we started a that's our main piece but then comes the the churches and the nonprofits uh and the community groups we work with all those organizations for free uh we just met with matrix we'll be doing some stuff with matrix human services there in detroit financial education for all of their individuals that they serve providing free content and free financial education for all those underserved individuals we uh i'm in talks with porsche over at focus hope uh we meet with organizations like cody rouge uh, organizations like mentor uh, 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 uh susan taylor's organization we're talking with them so and not in a tons of churches who are perfecting is one we just met with on saturday that we provide free financial education for all their individuals it's not just a workshop we do that but we provide ongoing education. So if the people have questions, they text our hotline, we answer their questions, and then we refer them uh, by the grace of God through organizations like Spring 4 Pro, which gives us access to over 18,000 nonprofits across the country 
So once we answer a question, then we can look up via zip code or city organizations that can help those individuals for free provide education. The ultimate goal is that we need to have a, an all-inclusive, comprehensive economic movement that helps to battle that check cashing place that's on every corner, that helps to battle that payday loan that's on every corner, that battles the pawn shop that's become the new bank in the hood. We have to have an all-inclusive movement, a comprehensive movement that's scalable, that integrates into the very culture of our communities, this language, so they have access. If you're laying in the bed, you, if you're laying in the bed, you have a question, all you need is a phone, and you can text your question within 24 hours. You'll get an answer to that question, and then you'll get uh, a referral to a free nonprofit in your area that you can get free one-on-one -on -one assistance with. And that's through the churches and community groups that we work with for free because of the corporations who uh, uh, pay us uh, in order to keep our lights on. So it's, it's a, the model is really, uh, like what I always say, uh, using capitalism to uh, have a socialism movement uh, that allows everyone to have access. It's time that it's, we have to break into this fold of access uh, and access to education and access to implement in, uh, in their daily lives this financial education. It's very important. It's very critical. Uh, and, you know, I'm quite candid. I, I get so tired of people always focusing on politics, but they need to focus more on economics because economics to me is what we need to do for ourselves while politicians is what they need to do for us. And that's important. Don't get me wrong. It's definitely important. But I think we need to put a lot of emphasis on what we need to do for ourselves economically to create an economic base so we can make our own decisions. So let's dig into that part of the conversation a little bit more, mm -hmm. because um, you you have you do. um I want to say, or at least in the past, you have um, maybe, I want to say maybe worked with elected officials. Yeah, all the time. I still do. Yeah. Okay. So can we talk about like in what capacity, what does your work look like in that capacity? Well, what I'm doing now is, is again, using our services. Most elected officials now have some sort of a listserv. So uh, I'll I reach out to them and say, if you have a listserv, if you want to use your listserv to ask for votes, why don't you use that same listserv to educate your people? And so a, a lot of elected officials are using content that we can create by providing free tips and video tips and strategies and this in the, in the, in the hotline to educate their base. Um, and so I think that it's become, as opposed to getting an email from an elected official that just says, vote for me or donate. How about vote for me, donate? Oh, and here's a tip on how to maximize and, and, and pay off your student loans. Oh, vote for me, donate. And here's a tip on how to be uh, fit, effective in, in, in mitigating the, the higher gas prices. Or uh, vote for me, donate. And here's a, some education, a, a tip on make, how to diversify your portfolio uh, in, in, a, in, a, in an inflationary economy. Uh, so I think it's time for, I'm trying to push these elected officials to be more tangible because, as you know, a lot of times elected officials, as soon as they get in office, their number one job is to raise money. Mm -hmm. And we got to get off of that. We got to get off of that. So I'm I got tired of complaining about it. So I go to elected officials and, and, and talk to them about what can we do to integrate for free financial education into the message, because of, which is a much needed message. And it creates a larger value added component to their correspondence outside of just give me money. Um, which is quite frankly very uh, frustrating to me. And I, I want to see more from elected officials, so I'm going to help them do more 
through the services that we provide. There's a question in the chat that's from uh, Nicole Carter, who uh, hey, Nicole. that's my cousin, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, shouts out to uh, Nicole. She's she's a realtor. She has a realtor's license. Okay. Um, and so her question is, um, what would it take for First Federal um, or the like to step in those spaces where access is needed? What would it take for? Oh, I mean, it. it, it... It, it really is not that hard. What I'm talking about is not rocket science, right? This is, we've got so many organizations that are out there. Uh, and I can, I can name, rattle off 10 that have access to people who are in homeless shelters, who are in veterans, who are youth aging out of foster care, who uh, are returning citizens coming home from prison, who are underserved in underserved communities, who are youth. I just had my uh, shout out to King High School where I serve on their board, uh, uh, where the, a group of college, high school teens wrote their own financial literacy book, Spoken Truth from the Youth. If you go on Amazon, please buy that book. 100% of the proceeds go to those teens. I mean, it, what would it take? We just got to have out of, it's not even, I don't want to say out of the box thinking because this thinking is not out of the box. It's just so, to me, so obvious to, to see the need um, uh, that it really just takes for somebody to do it and to understand that if we could just move aside our own selfish interests just for a second. And I guess, I guess it is out of the box. I just, I don't like, to <laughs> over, it, I just, I just don't like to, to over credit this model because one is not, it's not a new model. It's a blended. I got it from Chris Emden. PhD uh, uh, in urban education. From I love Chris Emden. Yeah, as my buddy. Years ago, I, t I asked him, I said, man, listen, we were, out, we were out for brunch. I said, man, what's the best way we can teach? And he schooled me on blended learning ecosystems. And then years later, I just created a business model off of it because I just got tired. I got tired of getting all these letters from folks in the prison and not, you know what I'm saying? I, I will get these letters and then I would not have an effective follow through to really help them effectively, right? So it's like I'm getting a letter, but I, I said, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I'm getting so many letters, but what am I supposed to do? Well, this is an answer to what we can do. It's a systemic response to make sure that if someone reaches out for help, we can put them into a system that allows us to effectively integrate that individual into a system to make sure that we can answer their question and refer them to ongoing support. So now I can answer that letter from that brother in the prison. Now I can answer that letter from that youth aging out of foster care that I spoke at. Or now I can answer that text message from that brother who was in a homeless shelter. And I can say, what's your question? Here's a, here's a response. Go here. Go there. Um, no matter where they're at in the U.S. Um, and so we, you know, I eventually do want to go global, but we're really just starting here in the U.S. first. And it's been going, it's been doing really well. We're getting uh, a lot of questions every day. The goal is to make it so we're so busy where I can't answer all of them and just make it flooded with just questions. And uh, and then we have other individuals like myself who will be stepping in to help to answer the questions in the field that uh, shout out to Minyella Kingfei and people like Dorothea Kelly and uh, Samirian Hill uh, and other individuals who uh, are in my network that says well, they, they would be loved to help once we get reach capacity. Um, but no, that's what it would take. It just takes for people just to do it, man. Yeah. It's been done. We got to get it done. And um, thanks for that. And and um, just want to shout out Always First Class, who always shows up and um, shouts out to you <laughs> and to everyone listening. So um, 
Let's dig into what are... So let's go down the line. Let's discuss a couple of the financial challenges. Mm. And um, because, you know, we named underserved communities, but also um, just in general, I think uh, financial literacy is just a mystery to many people. Right. Um, And there are many people who are uh, having financial challenges that, you know, some of them know how to mask it uh, very well and uh, some do not. So um, we talked about what you named um, these, uh, what you said, like the payday lender. Right. Let's talk about them for a minute. And um, and like what, because, you know, I know people who maybe do that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's let's understand like this payday lender. Like, what happens to a, a person when they go? You know, what happens to their financial situation when they go to the payday lender? What happens is that well, payday loans uh, specific. Well, let me just the, the industry again. FDIC reported that this is a three hundred twenty billion dollar industry. Payday loans, cash advances, title loans, refinancing loans, then pawn shops, prepaid debit cards. This entire industry is based upon what individuals don't know. And it, 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 it thrives off of ignorance. And the number one question we need to ask in our communities when we're dealing with anyone, me included, is how do you get paid? That's why I always start off. Let me tell you where I'm getting my money from. And it ain't you, right? Uh, I'm getting my money from here, there, there, just so people can be very clear and be very transparent. How do you get paid? Payday loans get paid by individuals going into the, the into the shop, taking out a loan, and hoping that they can't pay it all back, right? Because if they can't pay it all back by the next time their pay period comes, they got to take a loan out. To, to, to and now it becomes a cycle, the two to three hundred percent cycle that they're trapped in, creating this perpetual underclass of society that's breaking the bank in the back economic back of our communities. And so they hope that we don't pay them back. Check, you know, um, uh, uh, American Jewelry and Loan. So it's a business model where I've done workshops in that pawn shop. It's on. It's in Detroit. It's off Eight Mile. People might have heard of it. It's called Hardcore Pawn, not porn, but pawn, right? P A W N, where they get over one thousand uh, customers in that pawn shop every single day. Okay, 1,000 customers in that pawn shop every day. So, and I've done workshops in this pawn shop, right? Did they let me come in and educate their people because they get so much traction, especially from that show, that they're not worried about losing clientele. Matter of fact, they 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 like to use financial literacy as a feather in their cap. Like, hey, see, we're educating the people. See, see, see. Um, I, I know they use it as a marketing strategy, but in the back of that pawn shop, you see fur coats lined up that are all owned by different people in the, in the city of Detroit. So they buy their work. They buy their, uh, uh, the part the, the, the fur coat in the winter time. Uh, they wear it in the winter. They, uh, the fall, spring and, and summer, they, they, they pawn it. They pay for it. Winter time comes, they, they pay for it to bring it back out. And then they wear it for the winter. Then they put it back in. So it's a cycle. So they end up paying for that same fur coat over and over again. There was a TV that was in there. He showed me one television. He said, Ryan, this television has been in here for seven years. Seven years that one television has been in there. 
and that person who owns the television is consistent in paying for it to continue to, to pay in the pawn shop. And so there's a cycle. It's a mentality that folks have, and they're not understanding that they're limiting their economic wealth ability to, to generate wealth because they're giving all this money to these financial predators. So I talked to Les and Seth. There was some legislation that allowed pawn shops, I believe, that they're not allowed to charge over 3% a month, right? So 36% a year APR. So they fought against the legislation. Peep this. They did not want to allow to have legislation passed that allowed pawn shops to pay more, to collect or charge more than 3% a month. And it, it was counterintuitive to me until he broke it down. He, he said, well, I'm not trying. I said, well, I thought you would have wanted to charge your people more. I thought you ought to have been in favor of that. He said, no, no, no. I'm going to tell you, our customers, what we found, that 3% a month is a sweet spot for us. It allows our customers to continue to remain in debt to us just long enough where that they don't end up going broke. We don't want our customers going broke because otherwise they're not going to come back. Their ultimate goal is to keep this poverty train moving on and on and slowly siphon away money from the community. It's very expensive to be poor. And there's all these expenses are being collected over and over again, just enough to keep people poor, but not enough to make them broke and then wake them up and realize, whoa, wait a minute. They got to keep them in the cycle somehow. So a lot of the other pawn shops that uh, don't have as much traffic, they wanted to charge more than 3% a month. But because they don't care if the folks go broke because they just want the fast buck. But less than said, they understood that when you want to exploit your community, you got to be you got to be effective. There's a strategy, a strategy to this stuff, man. And I'm telling you, these it's, it's over and over again. They want to keep people in this underclass of society because once people start waking up and going to those institutions that actually have a vested interest in seeing uh, wealth appreciation of their clients, which are banks, brokerage firms, and other institutions like that, that actually get paid more, then you start to see individuals wake up and start understanding the power of their dollar. But right now we don't, and they can just pimp us for it. And so we've got to fight against them to stop all this stuff, man. And so what are what are what have you seen from people? Um, I want to say like regular working class people. Yeah. What's like a um, you know, or even or even people who make, I would say, you know, a salary, right? Yeah. Um, they have benefits and things like that. What is something that you've seen? Um, particularly in the black community, that is um, that that you want to just like help people with. That's in that maybe that category. First thing I I, I always start off with the right mindset. Um, if you want to talk about capital, the root word for the Latin root word C A P I T capit is the head. Um, so capital really is not all about money. It's about what's going on up here. And so I always start most workshops off with talking about. The, uh, the attitude, the personality, the thought process that goes behind it. And many folks in our communities don't feel that economics is for them. Um, or they uh, look at all of the shining light, you know, this talk about crypto or an NF NFTs, and all these things that's new, that's being talked about in the barbershop, they are drawn to because, one, you never hear a story about a losing trade. Um, and everyone you ever talk to is always—they're always, always going to tell you the money that they made, but they're never going to tell you about the money that they lost. 
okay? So all the stories we're hearing about with all across social media and in the barbershop is all about how much money we made. Um, so naturally you want to get that, you want to get paid, you know, it's the same, it's the same thing as someone saying, man, the scratch off ticket. I just won 50 grand at the scratch off. People are going to gravitate going to the store and, and, and paying that scratch off ticket because, oh, they just paid 50 grand and giving away money like that. Let me go and do the same thing. So they're chasing money. They're chasing money. And I always teach, you shouldn't chase money. You need to chase passion. You need to chase purpose. You need to chase your understand an understanding, knowledge, truth. Those are the things you need to chase, and the money will come into play. I guess I'm not the traditional, uh, I guess, prosperity doctrine type of an individual where I think <laughs> I'm gonna get you rich and paid. I, I don't roll like that. My thing is, you have a purpose on this earth, and I feel that God has put all of us here for the same reason, which is to make this world better. So if that's your purpose on this earth to make it better, we all do it different ways. You know, you got your podcast and 30 other million things that you're doing every single week uh, and every day. And you down at the uh, uh, chain park and also I'm like, oh, she be hustling. Um, but so <laughs> we all do it different ways. So what we need to do is focus on God's purpose for us on this earth and then manage his resources that he's allowed us to manage for him responsibly that's where i come in let me assist you to manage things responsibly and so we're not going around chasing all these pipe dreams thinking that we're gonna get rich overnight that's that's not that's not wealth building that's called gambling and that allows us to be pimped on even easier uh i was just i just had, got on the phone not too long ago about a brother who uh, uh he was an amputee had his foot removed um and a lot of the things that he did he didn't want to put money to to, to pay for his insulin Okay, so now we're in a situation where uh, I had to help him literally learn the system of Medicaid uh, and learn the system of understanding where he can get capital from. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, literally this Friday, he's going to have a couple of meetings, have a home visit. So he should be on Medicaid and uh, he has a pension coming in. So I had to help him navigate that process. But I would have loved to have him on the front end to help him budget responsibly, paying for that insulin, taking care of his health. And so we wouldn't have to be in this situation now. So that's kind of how I look at it. We 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 make all these decisions wrongfully uh, and without knowledge, chasing these shiny light objects that don't allow us to focus effectively on the most important commodity in our communities, which is us. Right. We need to focus on us building us you know, and, and allowing that we can invest in us. And but then at the same time, if it's hard to invest in us. If I got bill collectors calling every day or if I'm getting my foot chopped off, I can't I can't invest in you if I'm, you know, not doing the right things for myself, health wise, spiritually, financially and all those other socially, mentally, all these things we have to worry about focusing on to get us in a better position to be a better blessing to someone else. And that's when we can start rising together as a community, because right now we all for self. Uh, and that ain't right. We got to do something better than this. And so let's talk about um, you mentioned that you helped people um, be able to be financially. Um, I want to say secure. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, 
talk to us a little bit about some of the some of the ways in which you know um you've seen people go from you know uh being unstable to being more stable financially well i mean we that's a great question because since we've implemented this model uh, one of the best ways, when I was a financial planner, work with individuals, we would see, uh, I had tons of individual stories where you would see them, saw oh, this isn't for me, uh, I, my credit score is 500, and you would work with them and see them grow and all of a sudden start putting money towards their retirement. Next thing you know, they've paid down debt and their, their IRA is maxed out for the year and other stories like that. Um, what we're trying to do is have that same impact that we that I used to have on the individual level, but have it for large groups. And we're starting to see where we've gone from stories of that was a great speech and that was inspiring. And they still say those things. I mean, that's I bore them to death or whatever, but they say those things. But then we also include in that, hey, Ryan, I'm inspired. But now I, I had a 600 FICO score. So now my FICO score is 750. Or hey Ryan, I was debt. I had a lot of debt before, so now my debt is paid off, and I'm using the money that I was going towards debt to make somebody else rich to put towards my own retirement. We're hearing a lot of stories like that. We're seeing stories of okay, hey Ryan, I've cleaned up my credit report now that I'm able to uh, get myself in a better situation and more effectively buy that new home that I didn't think I was going to be ready for a year ago, but today I'm ready to go go give me some property. And, and, and be that end to gentrification in my community. Um, you know, just the other week, uh, and that's that's a real, I mean, literally uh, I have a call on Thursday with another client as a couple, man, a year ago, they were just in distraught. They were arguing. And uh, I can tell that the man was very insecure about the money that he was not making, right? But the woman, she was on it, right? She was on it and she was a planner and she was kind of, you can tell that there was a lot of the dynamic was she was on it. She was frustrated, but lovingly was trying to support her husband who was feeling insecure and less than. So I had to do a little, a lot of times you have to do a lot of like, it's less of a financial counselor. I feel like I'm more of a a social, social worker than a financial counselor uh, or a coach. And so we got them on the same page. I started to talk to them about, understanding their strengths and weaknesses, put together a household budget, made sure that we checked in, with, make sure that they were checking in, paid down the debt effectively. We did a lot of negotiation and um, uh, making sure that the debt they did, that they did owe, we, re- we reduced their interest rates. Uh, 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 we were able to get a couple of, 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 of debts that were previously owned, uh, at least a piece of them forgiven because they had some capital put down. All that stuff together, we cleared up over $1,000 a month in expenses. That, that that is now going towards even faster paying down debt. If you get a, imagine just getting a thousand dollars more per month in your pocket that now you have access to. They use that to pay down their debt faster, and now they have a house budget, so they should be buying a house in a couple of months. Didn't think about doing that a year ago. I got tons of stories like that. That's that's what we do. Um, but the thing is, is that you have to do it, and you got to go through the process of doing it. Um, and I want to. The more stories I hear about that, because now with this model, we're able to do that effectively. Um, and so we just have to make sure that we get folks to get on this train to actually physically go and implement these principles into their daily lifestyle to integrate it into our culture. Let's talk about um, some of the uh, psychological challenges or blocks 
yeah. um, regarding uh, finance, saving, um, investing, you know, all the things. Can you share like um, some of the ways in which, uh, I mean, we, we, we might know the tragedy, but what yeah. are some of the ways in which people are able to um, overcome some of this emotional blockage? Well, when it comes to finances, I mean, you got the you got the, the keeping up with the Joneses uh, and staying in your lane. I think that now that's even more prevalent than what it was even ten years ago, because the have-nots get to watch the haves on Instagram and TikTok and, and other Facebook, and everyone again. You never hear a losing trade. You say that on, you say that on Wall Street all the time. The haves the have-nots are watching the best of the best. This person's taking a trip. This person's Gleam diamond out, wearing all this stuff. This person's got the nicest car. Don't even know if they own it, but they stand in front. They look like they own it. So why am I not able to do this? How come I'm not in a position to do that? I need to start doing this more or have to start. And so what they do is they see this, there's all these other, these Joneses out here. And so they start to spend money based upon what they perceive they should be doing but they don't have the resources to live like that. And, mo and most of the time, the people that they see don't have the resources to do it, but it's a perception that they portrayed. So everyone out here is living off of what they want to live like as opposed to what they are living like. And the thing about money and finances, it look, it's black and white, man. At the end of the day, in a lot of gray area. You know, it's, it is what it is. And if your finances don't stretch that far, it's going to be basically debt becomes a license to pretend and you end up buying this debt for a car that you can't even afford uh, or leasing the car and then flipping it over and over again, putting yourself in a perpetual lifelong deal of debt that you're paying to make somebody else rich. So keeping up with the Joneses, insecurity. I've seen many individuals go out to eat and you go out to eat with friends. And one of my boys, I knew didn't have lost this lost his job but offered to pay the bill for all of us luckily when you know all of us are real so he's like no nah, bro no nah, don't we ain't we only roll like that we go we got two and he got a little offended but he got over it he'd be all right but he was trying to pay our bill because he just wanted to feel less insecure about his financial situation and he just lost his job a couple weeks before that so it's it's that type of a of, of a mindset that we have to battle. It's the mindset of never having it growing up and then finally getting it. Okay. And you grow up and you get the cheese that don't melt in the oven and that's what you have to eat or you eat the box and, you know, the say cornflakes with the black letters and no tone of the tiger, but you get that welfare stuff or you get the. Uh, Did you say <laughs> cornflakes? Yeah, yeah. With the white box and black letters and no That's Tony the Tiger. Yeah, ain't no Tony yeah we know all people. about that. <laughs> we ain't know nothing about no Tony the Tiger in my house growing up, you know. But I'm not gonna lie, that was me. I, in, in one of my books, I wrote about that. I didn't say it was me, but I was that example was me because you know it took a brother that was in prison to tell me how I eat that peanut butter. He's like, man, all you had to do is put a little oil on it. You put a little oil and stir it up. I didn't know that, you know. You get, but to eat that peanut butter that came from the government, <laughs> you mess around, break your fork and that stuff, or your knife and that stuff. Man, that stuff was crazy hard. He's a like, man, put a little oil in there, spread it out a little bit. You good? I'm like, dang, I didn't even think about that. That's crazy. 
But like, that's how we grew up. And so here I am on Wall Street. Man, I'm making more money than my family than anybody ever made. Do you understand? So I'm like, yo, this is crazy. And I'm not going to lie. Was, Piper, I was at the club. I'm popping bottles. I'm doing, I'm, I'm living life, man. You know, it wasn't the right life. And for <laughs> little, but I'm living life because I never had, I never had that before. I'd never had that. And so um, it took someone to really just sit me down, you know, and, uh, uh, and I mean, shout out to the first person I ever knew uh, who was a financial counselor, my mom, who was on welfare for a period of time and used to go window shopping in Somerset to buy the same stuff that she saw in the window at the thrift store because um, she couldn't afford anything different. So that was my first exposure to a person managing money. Obviously, I didn't take that lesson with me when I moved to New York. I was balling out. I was living life, living it. Uh, and then I looked up, I'm like, dang, my savings is not what it should be. I mean, I had, I guess I had a good time, but I, it just took a mindset change to recognize that this ain't it. This ain't what's really important. So I really, that's when I buckled down. Um, I started to save for a home. Uh, I ended up quitting Wall Street, and that's when I used that home savings to start out them in capital management. It ain't looked back since. Um, but it really is, it's that type of mentality that we're dealing with. But I got to tell you this much, for the black community especially, because we're relative, and I don't I don't want to say new money, because even pre, uh, uh, pre-integration, we were doing really well, black, black Wall Street and Tulsa and whatnot. Um, but post-integration, there hasn't been a lot of, of, of us who have had a lot of a tremendous amount of economic success. Like I know not, nobody in my family knew a lot about money and how to, how to make money. Um, so there really wasn't a lot of education. It's almost like, it's, 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 it's like brand new. We let a little bit of exposure. So um, again, I was the first one that made that amount of money in my family and I just went crazy with it. Um, but it took learning and education to reprogram my mindset to say, this is what it is. Uh, you've got, and uh, in, in like in other communities, white communities uh, who, who are wealthy, who come from wealth or legacy wealth that have had decades and c- centuries of uninterrupted wealth and uninterrupted knowledge, right? Uh, I mean, we've, we've had a lot of hiccups since the days of Madam C.J. Walker to where we go today, right? We got a lot of hiccups, a whole lot of obstacles, that some that we've created, but a whole lot that have been created for us uh, that we can't, it's, it's been hard for us to get around. Mass incarceration, uh, you know, drugs in, in, pumped into our communities. Uh, these are things that they've done to systemically break down the black community. These are real things. Uh, and along with that comes the deprogramming of the economic success of the days of, of Redwood and Tulsa, Oklahoma, and other days of, of communities that understood that circulation of the dollar was effective. Um, so we've had a lot of hiccups in our communities, redlining, reverse redlining, all these things we've had to deal with that are obstacles. Right now, they're taking away our public school systems. They're breaking our public school systems. There's so many things that we've got to face and deal with. We ain't got no choice but to make sure that we start teaching ourselves about economics and creating our own dollars and learning from our examples that we once had uh, that we might have lost along the way. Well, boy, I think we can get it done. So I'm actually like 
I'm actually motivated by that. I'm actually inspired that I guess with a limited exposure of this generation, that if we just do a little bit more exposure, we're gonna be all right. We're gonna be just fine. So let's talk about um I wanna I, I guess it would be called like transient worker or like an artist or a person yeah. who um, doesn't have like um, a consistent amount of money that comes in at a consistent, you know, time period. And it doesn't, um, you know, maybe I, I know um, like for artists, you know, you might have a windfall. I mean, or just entrepreneurs in general, right? Like you might have a windfall um, and then you might have a drought. Right. You know, yeah. and everything in between. How does what are strategies that that person um, can take to develop a savings? Because a person like that is probably mostly saving, or um, you know, uh, either 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 like mostly <laughs> trying to get everything else for free, and then you know, uh, trying to figure out how to get all their needs met you know, for free. Um, and then when they get money, they're trying to figure out, you know, how to make it stretch, but how, um, beyond the just, uh, basic survival, how can that person develop a plan so that they can, uh, create some sort of savings or, or even, you know, uh, dare I say wealth? I would say for those individuals, and I've worked with a lot for artists, um, Shout out to the home care workers out, out here in New York. There's about a group of 60,000 home care workers I work with. Um, and they fit into that category because what happens with them is that they have a client and that client passes away. And now there's a three-month, a three-week gap before they get picked up by another client. All right. And so they might be working with two or three clients at a time. And next thing you know, misfortune happens now they have no clients okay so what we did with them is effectively it's called a zero-sum budgeting strategy okay and zero-sum budgeting strategy essentially when your income is when your income minus your expenses equals zero okay you you zero everything out where you're all the money that you make okay well first of all you budget for what you think you're gonna make or spend for that month. So it really requires an effective budget. Okay. So you, you budget how much you're going to pay on food, your bills, your phone, your, whatever it may be, you budget out effective. Let's call it $3,000. Every time you get paid, you put all your money, all your money into savings. Okay. All of it. So now let's say you, you now in your savings account, you have uh, uh 6,000 or, or let's say $10,000. Cause you were putting all your money in savings. Okay, you budgeted three thousand. So now, you take three thousand out of your savings and you put three thousand dollars into checking at the beginning of the month. As the month goes on, you spend your money down. You pay your rent or maybe your mortgage, whatever it may be. You all your expenses are paid. So at the end of the month, you have close to zero dollars in your checking account. Again, once you get paid, you put the entire amount into your savings. So now, what you're doing is uh, you're really level. It, it allows you to compensate for that infrequency of dollars, right? So if you're an artist, uh, I've, done, I've done I've done that with a few artists that I've worked with. Uh, as a matter of fact, out here in Brooklyn, uh, a lot of artists that I've, I've, I've put on to using a zero sum budgeting strategy. 
uh, or a home care worker or um, uh, uh, other individuals where they have just a sporadic income level. So I would definitely recommend like the zero. I actually have a whole article that if people want to text me, I'll send it to them. It's zero sum budgeting strategy that I wrote up about it. And uh, people say that it works out. And and I, I can't take I didn't other people, other financial folks have been saying it for years. So uh, I definitely recommend that one. Um, there's a question in the chat from um, Always First Class Media. Um, do you uh, have a nationwide network that works with you and your solutions-based platform? Yes. Well, Spring 4 Pro and AARP, uh, they are, uh, essentially have provided me access to their database. And I have other uh, people that I've worked with that every time someone asks a question, I can look up by their zip code or just their city or their state. I can look up exactly all the resources within a couple of miles that they're located. So um, I just got a question uh, what, about maybe 30 minutes ago, brother from Chicago. So a uh, brother just said, I'm looking to get my credit repaired. What should I do if uh, I don't pay my bill on? What if, if I, what if I, do, what if I pay, cancel my credit card and I just take my phone out? Well, if you cancel your credit card, your balance to lending limit ratio, your credit utilization ratio goes up. Uh, what you owe compared to what you have the ability to borrow. So if you cancel your card, credit utilization goes up. FICO score goes down. You're in Chicago. Here are all the top organizations in your area that can work with you to make sure you get additional questions. If, if there's not, if you have, if you want another question, that's more than what I just answered. So yes, we do. We have a network of individuals that we work with. Uh, we're trying. We're looking to build that network all the time. We're looking to make sure more folks use the hotline. Um, again, it's free to people. We don't sell anything. Uh, we don't promote any products or services on it. Um, we just want folks to just get this knowledge. And um, the hotline, um, you can say the number, and it's also in the description yeah, of this video. Yeah, 917-809-4231. 917-809-4231. Um, ask as many questions. We got folks, uh, some of my folks, they... I know where they are. They ask questions off once, one sister. She makes sure at least three or four times a week, she's going to get her questions off. Um, and I like that. I like that, man. I could, you know what I can, I can tell I met her in the workshop and she asked questions and questions and questions. Um, and I, I, that's what it's there for. It's there to be used. Um, any question is no such thing. I will say the only limit that we do, what we don't do, I'm not going to tell you what to buy. I'm not going to tell you what to buy. I get a lot of questions on should I buy crypto? Should I buy Bitcoin, Ethereum? I'm not going to tell you what to buy. I am going to tell you how to go about buying it um, and how to be responsible in how you buy it and what you need to do before you buy it. We just did a workshop not too long ago, Investment 101, on how to go about investing in the most responsible way. And we do workshops like that all the time. Yeah. And um, I guess a general question would be, what are your thoughts around people because I mean, you've we've had this conversation before. I just want to get it in the in the podcast. Mm -hmm. What do you think about people who um, are below a certain tax bracket investing in the stock market? Well, the thing is, is that if you're going to invest in the stock market, you have to have a sustainable strategy to do so. Okay, because you can. I know a few, a lot of folks that are. Um, in the lower tax bracket who do invest responsibly in the stock market. I remember um, one of my first clients, you know, and that when I was 
I'm not a financial planner now, but I was practicing financial planning. Michelle Kulikowski, I would say you want she I got her August 28, 2005. And she was in New York was making about $50,000 a year. Now you know in New York that's not a lot of money at all, okay? Um and she was living out in Long Island and she was struggling to make ends meet and and, and but I'm gonna tell you what, she did what she I don't know where she got it from. She did not get a uh, money and donated to her anything but she scrimped and saved and saved and a couple of years later she had an ira and she was saving to buy a house okay um and so she was able to start putting money in the stock market responsibly with a very limited income in one of the most expensive markets in the country so i do think that if you're going to invest if you're not putting yourself in a position where you can sustain that investment strategy over time Okay, I'm talking about you put your money into something uh, and every three months or every six months, you're putting a dollar cost average investment strategy. Uh, what you're doing is almost like gambling. And I know a lot of folks, they hear about things like, oh, Robinhood, I can buy stocks there or I can buy. And I, you know, they, they buy stocks and they forget they even bought them. They forget their login to their brokerage account. They didn't. It just sits there. Um, and then what happens is that life happens. Right. And next thing you know, they need that money for something. They need that money to food, feed their kids or keep their lights on. Um, and they didn't have an emergency fund before they started that stock investment strategy. Um, and those things happen. Now they got to liquidate something and possibly have to pay taxes just to get access to that capital to keep put some food on the table. That's not a responsible investment strategy. Do you have an emergency fund? Have you mitigated your risk with insurance if you need it, if you don't have it through your job? Do you have an estate plan? I got a class that I teach called uh, 11 Steps of Writing Your Financial Plan that lays out 11 different things you need to do to write out an effective, responsible financial strategy. You can do it. Most individuals do it within 30 to 60 days uh, uh, from, from the beginning, from the end of that course to the time they uh, implement it. And it, 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 the financial plan is less about emotion and more so about a mindset. A logical decision that you made that regardless of what the I know stock market is going crazy now, but your financial plan should not be dictated by being scared or being greedy or being impatient. It should be dictated by just pure logic and a sound strategy that if you need help with someone, some of that hit me up. I can send you the 11 steps to how to financial plan. You can you only got to take the workshop. I send them to you via text or email or whatever. But um, we got to start getting this stuff into place to make sure that we're doing a strategy that's best for us, no matter where we're at, no matter how rich or poor we are. Yeah. And then um, with that, you know, you do have the classes. Yeah. Can you talk about the different classes that you have? Well, we have we do um, <clears throat> classes. I, I, I got this on this on this laptop. I got tons of different workshops that we do, and it really all depends on what you want. I got I just wrote up a class on uh, senior scams, how to avoid senior financial scams on seniors, uh, how to buy a house, uh, the right wealth building mindset, how to build your credit, saving strategies, saving investments one on one. What is it? How to put money in the market responsibly? Um, how to how to plan in times of a financial disaster? Financial tips for couples, free things you can do on a dating on a budget. Uh, I write I, I this stuff all the time. And I'm, I mean, I'm not got a workshop with over 52 weeks of content in it. Um, if we wanted to have weekly workshops for little, like 
60 weeks. I could do 60 different workshops over, over 60 weeks. But what I like to do is people tell me, you understand what Ryan, we have a group of people who I just wrote a student loan workshop up because of this, Ryan, we have a group of folks that just extended the student loans moratorium to August 31st and people didn't understand exactly what it meant. What's the best way we need to pay off these student loans uh, and how do we go about doing so? I had a friend of mine got over $100,000 of student loans forgiven, right? <laughs> so stuff like that, we need to be teaching these people. They got a public student loan forgiveness program. Biden, I'm telling y'all, listen, Biden is out here forgiving these loans, folks, okay? And the disability is not the same disability as you once knew, okay? For, in some instances, disability might be, might be like being overweight or wearing glasses or something like that. But the, 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 the criteria for getting your loans forgiven is way more lax than people would ever believe. It's a lot of, again, my friend got $103,000 of student loans wiped off, okay? Um, and she was only disabled because she was obese. And obese, I'm obese. <laughs> you know, I'm above the legal, above the, the whatever threshold of being humanly, whatever, whatever. I got a little something down here. That's why the camera's put here. <laughs> so, um, but I might be able, if I had, I don't have student loans, but if I did, I might be able to apply and get. So there's different ways that we can use the forgiveness of this administration to get your student loans forgiven. We just got to teach our folks on how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then, um, cause we're going to wind down soon, but I wanted to get a, just a couple more mm -hmm. uh, questions in there. So, well, one, I want to uh, just let people know that you've helped me. You turned me on to an organization, um, yeah. Operation Hope. Yeah. Um, John Hope Bryant's organization. And I, started going last year, the end of last year, and I finished um, this year. And it's very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. And now, and, and, and it's, a, it's, a, you, you were there, you were working there, and it has um, very similar um, programs and things. And you've got, you know, a plethora of programs, like you've said, and you, I, I know I called you like, oh, Ryan, help me. And you're just willing to help, you know, everyone. Can you just talk about, you know, um, how are you able to help like so many people and just help for free like this? You told us in the beginning, but I want you to I want to kind of just flesh that out a little bit. So well, the thing is, is that, again, who who pays me the ARPs, the Spring Four Pros, the Community Financial, the Mocafies, the uh, 1199 SCIU corporations? unions, they pay me to go in and create curriculum and classes and provide engagement and online engagement, social media engagement with their populace. Okay. That's, that's my, that's my day to day. That's my business. That's my company. I sit here in this chair, like tomorrow I'll be doing about another 12 videos to ship them off to different people. They post them up. Bang. Okay. Now that a lot, because they pay me to do that and I'm sitting here in this chair anyway, I was like, man, let me just put together a system that allows me to work with churches and nonprofits and individuals who just have questions. Because I've been teaching this over 20 years, Pyra. I've been teaching this since, yeah, 2000, 2001. 
I've been teaching financial literacy. And I've gotten to the point where I just get frustrated with doing workshops and not knowing how did I impact the individuals I just taught. And I try, I did a, I did a, I'm kicking myself. I did a, a less talk, more action tour through 14 cities and uh, sponsored by George Soros Open Society. And at the end of that tour, I just had a, a, a report of how it was Im impactful, but there was really no follow through of the people that I taught. Okay. This is back in 2012, I, I want to say. Um, and I've just been thinking that I've been to South Africa, been to St. Lucia, been to Puerto Rico, Dominic, teaching, just teaching. And I just didn't know what happened. So I've been constantly thinking about how can I solve that frustration within me to help people and, and, and understand that there's a way that we can help them, help people by creating a system that allows me that it, to individuals to help people effectively uh, that doesn't take me away from my day to day. So, and that's what we, that's what Main Street is all about. Main Street is really like a, a the organization really effectively officially was started in 2017, but it's really a 20 years in the making of just being frustrated that I, I, I want to be able to help more um, and, and create a system that they can do that. So the hotline, the uh, email, um, and everything. Every time I go, I got these cards. These cards. It's got these hotline, Main Street Economic Hotline. Passing out these cards, and you know, I I learned a lot when I ran for school board. I would never do it again. I promise you that. <laughs> I, I ain't never running for politics ever again. That doggone Conrad Mallet said, "Ryan, you run for school board." I didn't know what I was getting into. Um, I'm glad I lost because I was. Oof, I've never. But what I did learn was that there's a way. When you are a pilot, I said, I would love if I could give out, as opposed to vote for me card, an economic card, right? So I created this card. That's an economic card. Don't even have my name on it. Um, promoting economics. I'm not promoting a politic, political position. I'm just promoting economics. And so that taught me that all those things brought me to where I am today that I can help as many people as possible and don't have to charge most of the folks that I come across. Because other, other people pay my bills. And there's a question in the chat. Always first class media asks again. Um, if you could uh, briefly talk about old back taxes. Uh, oh, the old uh, back taxes relief um, options. The, the back taxes relief? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, I would, I've helped a few individuals. I've helped a few individuals negotiate them. Um, uh one, you need to talk to a good accountant, okay? My accountant, Edwin Davis, uh, he's an enrolled agent. He's an, uh, a, a, a CPA. There's three people that can represent you in court. Enrolled agents, CPA, and tax attorneys. Uh, he's two of them, okay? Um, and I think that in terms of having a good accountant is just invaluable. Um, I sit down and I talk to Edwin Davis. He likes to teach and all that stuff. But when it comes to back taxes, I mean... To me, taxes is just like, yeah, they're going to come after you and yeah, they might garnish wages and whatnot, but they're going to come aggressively. But you can still negotiate. You can still negotiate. And when you negotiate with them, I always say, make sure you have somebody else on the phone with you. They have different organizations who will try to charge your arm and leg to negotiate uh, taxes that you owe. Don't use the organization. Okay. 
most of the stuff you get out here for free and most of the people that i've got in any state you go to people that can get on the phone with you free of charge and help you negotiate that when you have that third party I'm it's so invaluable to have a third party unbiased objective individual on the phone with you saying let let's put together a payment strategy uh and then irs might say well you got to pay 300 a month and then that third party is saying nope we put together her budget and she can only afford 150 dollars a month so you can you can act like you don't want your money if you want to but you're not gonna get it because we have a budget and her surplus is da, 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 and you i mean that's what i've done for folks i've sit back and say here's what the budget says you if you can make us make us pay more if you want to but you're not gonna get your money uh, and so we you know and now no one's it's a it's a lose-lose situation so irs wants their money any debtor just wants their money get a third party on the phone we help a lot of folks with that folks that get on the phone and help people negotiate for free okay free you should not have to pay to repair your credit you should not have to pay you already out of owe so much why are you paying other individuals when there's so many free services out there that you can be utilizing to to get your stuff removed and pay down this debt yeah is that something that you you also help people with i do for all i do it for the i'm not gonna get on the phone with you personally um i do it for the clients that do that is a paid service for the clients that i work with like 11.99 i'm on the phone with them all the time or different uh i mean there are some times when people just say ryan i like the way you negotiate can you just give me like 20 minutes to go ahead and help me get this down i do it sometimes uh, the mm -hmm. business model does not sustain that. I mean, yeah, my partner gets mad because I'm always spending time one-on-one. <laughs> -on -one. So, hey, Ryan, you've been giving away too much, man. That's not the business model. You got to stick to it. I'm like, man, look, I'm good at this. So I'm good at helping people get their stuff forgiven. But there's a lot of other folks that are very good at getting their stuff forgiven, too, that are in my network that I can refer folks to. So the answer is yes. It, it might not be me, but there's tons of people who help negotiate for free. Okay, mm -hmm. for free. Every you will not receive any solicitation through that hotline. I'm I'm dead set on it. You, not gonna get, we're not gonna sell no books. We're not gonna sell no service. It's all free of charge through the hotline. Now, if mm -hmm. you come to me now, I'm gonna promote my book. But through the hotline, it's all free of charge. And then, um, so Norman Clement, um, has is in the chat. Shouts out to you, Norm. I appreciate you for listening. Um, he said, he, uh, can you share the information about, uh, the student loan forgiveness? Absolutely. Text me. Uh, th <clears throat> there's a, uh, if you just look up, uh, PSLF public student loan forgiveness program, it's a student loan uh, website. I actually have an article I wrote, uh, uh, 10 steps on how to get your student loan, uh, how to, how to uh, pay back your student loans effectively. And it has that information in it. So if you want to email me or, or text me or email me, uh, my email address is info at MainStreetEmpowerment.com, info at MainStreetEmpowerment.com. I can email you that link or that article with links in it of uh, of how to uh, pay that student. And it has all the information in it. Uh, but, but I'm telling you, people, I don't think it's one of the most underreported things there where uh, I, where Biden is not getting enough credit, or I guess he's not trying to seek it because he's he's forgiven millions upon millions of dollars of student loans. Um, we just have to learn how to utilize the system to get it done. So I would love to email that link or text me and I'll send you uh, uh, the information via text. 
Yeah, and um, and Mary Coates is in the chat. Shouts out to Mary. Mary's kind of like uh, my sister. <laughs> um, she says, can anyone negotiate with the IRS? And how much is the IRS willing to lower your debt with them? It all depends. It all depends on how long you've owed it. It all depends on your history. Um, there is a, um, anybody can negotiate with anybody. Okay, let me do that started. Every debt is just a contract. It's a little bit harder to negotiate with the IRS. A little bit harder to negotiate with student loans and medical bills, especially. Those can be a little bit more challenging, but the way I see it, anybody can negotiate with anybody. Um, but uh, the negotiation with like the credit card debt is a little bit different than the go in terms of what I'm expecting to be the result. The result might not like with credit card debt, I'm trying to see if I can get things forgiven. Let me also give you all a tip dispute everything it's easy to dispute things dispute everything i don't care dispute it dispute it dispute it let them tell you that it exists when you dispute everything i'm talking about on your credit at, at www.annualcreditreport.com you can get a free copy of your credit report once a week um so dispute everything i start off there that's the first thing i do once you dispute that then they'll tell you Oh, yeah, well, you do all this because of blah, blah, blah. But if they got 30 days, if they haven't proven it exists in 30 days, gone. Okay. They got to take it off your report. At that point, good. But uh, so with credit collections, credit card, the result might in, be different because I'm trying to get a lot of that stuff forgiven. And especially, uh, I had somebody the other day, uh, they had a $500 debt to Planet Fitness. And, um, I got it completely removed or uh, had somebody the other day had uh, over $3,000 in debt to a credit card. Um, and I said, they ended up paying off for $1,000 and I put on their state paid in full, not settled, which is different. You got to put paid in full, not settled. And we, we didn't get the deal the first time. We didn't get that deal the first time. So I hung up and made us call back to get, get another rep. So it took us three calls, but by the third rep, at the end of the month, we go at the end of the day looking for to get that commission. But at the end of the month, we got that rep, and I said I wanted to say paid in full, um, and so uh, it ended up happening. So that's a little bit different than what the IRS might do. IRS, uh, they're looking to get their money, but it, they what the, the the amount might differ. Where if it's three thousand dollars in the IRS that you owe to them. They're going to try to get all that 3000 but in terms of the frequency and the payment plan, it might be different. So they're going to give you a payment plan, and it might be, you know, I don't know, $500 a month or something. You might what, be What's the difference pay. between um, it being settled and um, paid, paid in full? full? Well, it all depends on, I mean, if, you look, if, you, if you're looking to buy a mortgage, uh, one, a mortgage provider, a mortgage company looking at your report, it looks a lot better to say paid in full as opposed to settled on your report, right? You don't want to see settled. If they see a whole bunch of settled, 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 well, you, I'm going to give you 200 grand to buy this house and you're going to settle that too. So uh, some a lot of instances on credit reports end up being where it's more about uh, image as opposed to how much, what it's going to impact your FICO score. I always ask mm -hmm. for paid in full. Cause they, even though it ain't paid in full, you can have them put it on there and say, and, it, and it, technically it is, because if I owe you three thousand and you reduce the debt to one thousand, now I pay that one thousand. It is technically paid in full. Mm -hmm. 
You understand? Yeah. Yeah. So that um, that's what I tell the agents all the time. I say, if you're gonna get your money and your commission, if you go ahead and reduce the debt to a thousand, um, and don't and, and that's not don't put anything in terms of forgiving. We you're not forgiving us anything because now you don't want to be taxable on whatever stuff is forgiven. It's not this is paid in full. Okay. So how can you how can a person or is it possible that a person that's already got settled uh, on their debt? Can that person go back and get a paid in full? You can you can dispute it. You can dispute it. anything you see on your report. You can dispute. Mm. And that's a good question. What you could also do on that is if you see that there and it should have been paid in full and not settled. You can insert a comment on there saying this actually was paid in full. I disputed this. And you can put that comment on your credit report. Mm. And that means your mortgage company is going to see settled, but with the explanation below it. And that at that point is who do they choose to believe. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's a lot of different ways we can try to, you know, stay ahead of the curve in the system. I teach people how to do all that in the credit course, credit, credit workshop. Yeah. And then... Um... Since we're at the end, I wanted you to just uh, reiterate, you know, how folks can find you and um, and what Well, before that, what do you have coming up next? Well, uh, right next right now, we're doing tons of workshops. Uh, most of the workshops I don't even do uh, publicly. Uh, I do uh, like tomorrow. We have another workshop for a few thousand people at uh, 1199. Um, and most of those workshops we're doing. We got a workshop coming up with Perfecting Church. Uh, we, do, we have a workshop coming up with Matrix Human Services. Um, so we're always just looking for different folks uh, to say if they if they would like to do uh, any workshops, we're always teaching. We're always teaching. So they just text us. Give me a shout. 917-809-4231. Uh, mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's in the chat and it's inside of the description. Okay. Yeah, the number. That's your hotline, right? Yeah, it's the hotline. It's, it's the hotline. But you can uh, call or text that hotline, right? If you call it, you just get a voicemail. That's that's, that's a uh, you can get a voicemail. And I will. I'll try to call back. I don't. <laughs> but, um, but you can definitely text it, and that is me responding to all the texts on mm -hmm. that hotline. Um, you know, God willing, wow. the people rise in, in another year. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be a lot of folks responding to it. But for me, for now, it's my old Manuel answers a lot of the texts too sometimes. But um, you know, we, we're looking to just make sure that more people use it. Um, and I understand there's a little bit of hesitancy right now because people think, oh, he's trying to sell something. I understand that. Uh, but after people use it, they're like, oh, okay, he's not selling anything. He's just really just trying to teach folks. Mm -hmm. And so um, if people look in the description, uh, we have two of your books there. Can you just tell us about those books? Yeah, well, I wrote two books. Uh, I wrote like, well, five books. Yeah, five or seven, seven. Well, five. <laughs> but um, my, my my two most recent books, uh, "Provisions for Abundance," uh, I wrote that book because um, uh, I'm Christian, and uh, I, I wanted people to understand that the Bible is very tangible, and you can use the Word of God to help manage God's resources effectively. So every day is 365 days, uh, and every day has a theme, a scripture that goes with the theme my words to talk about it, two supporting scriptures, and then a tangible financial tip to actually implement. So the goal is that in the 365 days, you're embedded into the word of God. 
learning about financial education and learning how to implement it into your life. Other book, Living in the Village, it's a, it's a book that's about all of us and, all, and, and no matter rich or poor, black or white, whoever in our communities, uh, we want everyone to come together. And it's really about I have 13 people from who are formerly incarcerated to a rich real estate developer, to an, an athlete, to a teacher, to a principal, to a single mom, my mom, um, who talk about different elements of financial literacy, how they used it to empower themselves. And the other 80% of the book is I'm telling you how they did it. So you can be just like that single mom. You can be just like that uh, gang member uh, who got out uh, and, and got out of the gang life. And now he's using economics to empower himself and his community. And I, I do a lot of work with gang members, uh, especially out here in Brooklyn. Um, so I had one of them write a piece of the book for me. Um, so it's this all of us need to come together to effectively utilize these principles for the greater good of all of us. That's why it's how we live together in this village. Um, and that book is for everyone rich, poor, black, white, Christian, Muslim, agnostic, atheist, whoever it is, everybody need to come together um, and empower themselves through economics. Mm -hmm. And then um, just one more time, the ways, and it's also inside of the description, but again, how folks can, uh, you know, learn about all of the services that you offer um, and get in touch with you. Yeah, just text me, 917-809-4231. And I'm telling you, there's no, there's no such thing as a dumb question. If you want a resource, if you have a question, if you have an idea of the type of workshop you want to see, just send a text over. Um, and what we're doing, we're taking, uh, occasionally we send out surveys of, of individuals to see what type of workshops and content they want to see. Um, so 917-809-4231. Uh, um, and that's just if you want a resource, if you have a question or, you have, or a suggestion of a future workshop, usually every Saturday I'm teaching somebody. Usually every Saturday I'm teaching somebody and multiple times throughout the week. But the week is usually for mostly for, for clients. But Saturday morning is the days where I'm teaching somebody or a family. I've done, we just implemented a, uh, a family empowerment program where we get families to come on and I'm the mediator to negotiate and talk about how they can. I ask questions like who in your family started a business and how can we support it? Who in your family is going to school uh, and how can we raise money for their and create our own scholarship funds? Who in your family is uh, unemployed and needs a job, right? So we ask these type of questions for family empowerment programs because we need to learn how to effectively use our families as a resource for each other. Um, so I've had a few families take me up on that. And again, free of charge, we jump on a Saturday for an hour um, and we just chat and we chop it up and they take notes. We get people. We want, so it's, it's, a, it's a good program. So um, we're doing something. So 917-809-4231. Hit us up, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. So Ryan Mack, your company is Main Street. Mm -hmm. um, your books and your website are in the description of this video. You're doing financial literacy for black folks and for underserved communities. Yeah. Um, and you are a wealth of knowledge and information and experience from Wall Street to the Main Street. So I want to thank you uh, for making the time mm -hmm. 
to come on my show again. I would love for you to come back Absolutely. Uh, a few more times and, and have some different conversations. Um, I'm glad that you were able to share so much rich information. I want to just share with you that in the chat, um, Always First Class said, um, um, great dialogue. Norman Clements said, great show. Um, the regular Cat Convo said, another great episode. So right. it looks like people are really, um, you know, this is uh, information that people uh, really need and are looking for. So let's do some more of this again. This has been awesome. powerful. Thank you. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. You're always out there in the streets for the people. So, man, you tell me to come, I'll come. It's all good. I just oh, I appreciate beautiful. the work you're doing. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to tell everyone, um, again, please share this episode with those you love so that all of us can be uh, financially educated and more aware. And you want to like and subscribe to Piper Carter podcast on YouTube and all your streaming platforms through the Detroit is Different podcast network. And we will see you next week. Peace. Awesome. Peace, y'all.